You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. What a weird evening this has been. Uh, I end. I was, this is my second go-round at uh, recording the show this evening. I was about 20 minutes into it when I flipped back between some of my show notes and my uh, recording software. And about 10 minutes in, it had just decided to stop recording, oddly enough. And in all the years that I've used this laptop and this setup, I've never had that issue before. And interestingly enough, it seems to be a Windows issue, so I don't know what's going on there. But be that as it may, I'm back, and uh, hopefully this time I'll be able to get through with it uh, without uh, any more technical glitches. And anyways, uh, just on a, on a side note here, uh, hopefully there won't be any technical glitches over the next uh, week or so. I'm uh, switching the show to a diff- different hosting service, uh, which uh, on the back end will mean a, a bunch of different things and make, uh, make it a little bit easier on my side. And I believe uh, from what I've been told that when we do migrate to the, to the new service uh, between now and, and next week, it should be pretty seamless. But uh, for, for some reason, I don't show up in your app podcast feeds or Spotify or Google Play Music, wherever you download or listen to the show, uh, just be aware that uh, you might have to do something. I think the RSS feed will uh, will change, but uh, for, for those of you that that's important, uh, just take note of that. But uh, like I say, I hope uh, that it, it will be rather seamless and there won't be uh, too many hiccups. But hey, I guess if uh, the Formula One teams are going into preseason testing to iron out all the bugs, then maybe I guess we're allowed to, to do, <laughs> do the same here at uh, at the podcast uh, as well. Anyways, uh, I'm going to skip the uh, the intro that I'd uh, already prepared and already uh, said once about half an hour ago or 45 minutes ago now that is now lost somewhere in, uh, well, wherever it went in the ether. Anyways, we're going to start now, um, kind of pick up uh, where we left off uh, about a week ago, and that's with uh, Formula One CEO Chase Carey responding to what he calls a strange criticism from the circuit bosses in, in Formula One. So if you uh, remember about uh, a week ago, the Formula One Promoters Association, or FOPA, issued um, a, a press release uh, which uh, they were critical about uh, uh, certain uh, things that uh, they see under the, the stewardship and, and, and management of uh, Liberty Media. And they said at the time that uh, that they they don't believe it's in the long-term interest of uh, the, the sport to lose free access to uh, content and, uh, and broadcasting. Um, like I said last week, I believe that's uh, more to do in, in different parts, maybe of Europe, not especially here in in North America it's uh, always been on uh, cable providers that uh, that are subscription service but certainly I can understand uh, the chagrin and the disappointment and the anger of people that uh, if they've not been able to watch it on uh, on a television broadcaster that they don't have to fork out uh, money for I can understand uh, why why that that would be and then also uh, they went on to say that uh, that there's a lack of clarity on new initiatives in Formula One and a lack of engagement with the promoters on their their implementation and uh, they also went on to say that uh, they didn't want to see uh, new races being introduced um, to the what they call the detriment of the existing um, uh, events uh, through the uh, although the uh, the asso- 
Association said that they were encouraged by uh, the alternative business models that have been uh, promoted under um, uh, Liberty Media's uh, uh, tenureship rather than uh, the, the previous and um, especially business models that are being uh, offered to, to, to new venues. And of course, um, uh, Liberty Media and, and Formula One made uh, an announcement, uh, well, quite a few weeks ago now, a couple months ago probably, was, I think it was sometime before Christmas, that there will be a, a Vietnamese Grand Prix in, in, the, in the not too far distant future. And it looked like it was all set to have a second race in the United States down in Miami. But uh, that, of course, has now been uh, permanently put on ice uh, due to uh, opposition more at the local level uh, rather uh, than uh, than anywhere else, uh, say, at the, on, on the Formula One side. They're just not able to, to line everything up uh, in Miami uh, to, to, to pull that race off. I mean, I'm oversimplifying, of, uh, of course. But the reaction of uh, Chase Carey was to uh, respond that he, he felt that the, the criticism uh, was uh, strange and uh, he insisted that it is not going to change Formula One's plan for the for the future, and uh, he said that uh, that he was surprised at it because um, the the meeting that they had with the race promoters was uh, what he termed incredibly uh, positive, and he thought that there was a lot of um, support from the the vast majority of them, and uh, he felt also that uh, they were quite appreciative of uh, what they've uh, been doing, and then so he he went on to kind of um, I suppose. Uh, suggest that there's a few of them wanted uh, something to complain and or complain about and uh, I guess was suggesting that uh, that a, a number more followed along because the uh, the immediate reaction is after that um, that uh, press release came out from uh, FOPA last week was that uh, quite quickly the promoters in uh, in Russia and Mexico distanced themselves uh, from that and it wasn't the the, the complete uh, list I think it was something like four sorry 16 out of the 21 uh, race promoters but still I mean they they have some legitimate uh, concerns but um, it, it's it's very interesting to see because in previous years we've never really seen anybody speak out against uh, Formula One in, in such a manner of course uh, when, when Bernie Ecclestone was uh, in charge if anybody was critical of Bernie they usually got shut out uh, pretty quickly I mean he, he really did rule the sport with a with an iron fist uh, and of course uh, like it or love it I mean he built it up into what it is now and and Liberty Media bought the the rights to that a couple of years ago and really thought that the, what what Bernie had done was uh, for them more or less a, a starting point and saw a lot of uh, untapped uh, present, uh, potential in in many areas, not just the commercial side, but also on the the, the media and broadcast side and also on the, the, the sporting side. And if uh, you remember a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about uh, Ross Braun, who was the motorsport uh, or the sporting director at, uh, at Formula One, just talking about um, a bit, I think, what is uh, maybe a bit of frustration on his uh, behalf, he said. Although, uh, and I'm just going to uh, to paraphrase here a, a little bit, but he did say at the time that he was quite positive uh, by the uh, the amount of engagement and uh, the the reaction that they, they'd had so far from the the different stakeholders in, in Formula One. And uh, certainly, we're we're not really used to seeing so much cooperation uh, from from the teams. It always seemed in the past if they were sort of bickering among themselves. That um, I don't think, uh, at least on the outside, uh, <laughs> my my take was that it didn't 
seem to phase Bernie Ecclestone uh, so much. As long as in the end Bernie got what Bernie wanted, and as long as he came out on top, then uh, that was good for Formula One in uh, by his standards. But certainly under the uh, the the new uh, management of uh, by by Liberty Media, it, uh, it seems to be a, a completely different approach. Um, before Bernie was basically the guy that uh, that that did everything, and then uh, they've come in and they certainly have their own vision, which is uh, which which is fair enough. And of course, uh, that sort of leads a little bit more into uh, what what Braun was saying is that um, he was like, although he was um, uh, encouraged by the direction it was going in, that it was just taking a, a little bit uh, too long uh, by his um, well his expectations, because uh, we know that we have two years left under the current rules, and then uh, in 2020 the Concord Agreement um, uh, expires. So they're really looking at uh, the the mid to the long range, what they can do in uh, after that, where they can really, I, I guess, really shake off the the, the last of the, uh, the the Ecclestone regime because um, what what they're doing now, of course, and we talked about this uh, last week. Uh, of course, not only are we going to see the um, uh, the the new and improved, uh, well, the so called improved uh, front wings uh, and, and barge boards, which are which are meant to um, decrease the disruption of the airflow behind the cars and, in theory, promote um, uh, more opportunities for overtaking. And if that's the case, then in theory, then that should lead to more exciting racing and then hopefully more overtaking on the track rather than cars trying to overcut or undercut uh, during pit stops and, and things like that. That that remains to be seen, but it, it's kind of funny. On one side, you see uh, Braun kind of lamenting or a little bit uh, uh, talking about the, his frustration that's taking so long to really uh, shape that future of what, the, what they want. And then uh, on the other side, uh, what they really rushed through those changes for, for 2019 at the beginning of last summer, around the time of the, the, the French Grand Prix, which was, um, I, I guess, uh, a, a loophole or just uh, the, the way that the um, everything set up that if it came after that date, then they would have had uh, needed a unanimous uh, support or approval from all the teams. And then uh, if they'd done it before that date, then they, they didn't require. There's some sort of technicality like that. Of course, I'm uh, paraphrasing and simplifying a little bit. But of course, uh, definitely that was a, a bit of a surprise. But uh, again, it was interesting to, to see at that time the uh, the, the the talk that they had uh, just to, from the teams. They seemed kind of positive at, at the time. But we'll, we'll talk about a little bit of uh, that that in the moment. But going back to um, the the uh, this whole little spat or tit for tat, whatever you want to call it, between um, uh, Chase Carey and the, the the Formula One promoters. It's it's interesting because he kind of goes on to um, talk about some of the things that they've done under their uh, leadership over the, uh, the the past couple of years. And uh, so he was uh, re- responding to the concern that pay-per-view uh, deals were for, for television were reducing the, the, the reach that Formula One has in, in, in different um, parts of the world. And uh, Italy's uh, certainly a country like that and then just uh, actually this year in the UK I believe only one Grand Prix which I would assume would be the British Grand Prix will be the only one that'll be on the air in the UK and uh, he said that uh, they, they really value the reach in many places and actually expanded the coverage on uh, broadcast uh, television and uh, he said that there's no doubt that the sports world has been moving forward for a long time uh, towards pay vehicles if you look at football in Europe it is almost uniquely a pay platform based and clearly digital is becoming a, a big 
big four. So uh, that is true. I, I think uh, I may have mentioned it before that uh, here in Canada, we, we get uh, Formula One, the, the Sky Sports feed on uh, TSN, which is uh, a subsidiary of uh, ESPN. And, and certainly we've seen a lot more coverage over the past couple of years which is uh, great to see, but uh, that has been, well, TSN has been uh, a paid channel for, for for decades, and that's where Formula One has been for a very, very long time. And uh, certainly I'm going back to my childhood in the uh, in the 1980s, uh, if I'm trying to recall the last time that it was on, uh, on, on, a, on a free channel, which would be uh, CBC, which is our, our national broadcaster, Canadian Broad, uh, Broadcasting Corporation, and that... Uh, well, of course, they'd always broadcast the Canadian Grand Prix live, but the rest, uh, certainly back in the day, would have been like a highlight package or uh, definitely ex- extended highlights rather than uh, or condensed uh, Grand Prix. And it was only, I think, into the 90s when we started getting a uh, the, the, the full races and things like, you know, qualifying, things like that. So definitely, I understand the frustration from, from different fa- fans from that point of view. But I, I, I honestly, I don't completely appreciate it because it's just something that I've grown to uh, to, to, to live with, but certainly, if uh, you're a promoter and you're putting out uh, big money to host a Grand Prix, then certainly you want to make sure that uh, that it's uh, available to a wide of an audience uh, as possible. But uh, unfortunately, like uh, Chase Carey says, that uh, the the move in the world today is uh, towards more pay platform based uh, vehicles, and uh, well, honestly. That's the future, <laughs> but the, the the criticism about uh, a lack of clarity on what uh, what Formula One uh, is or what it's going to be is, is not something that's coming solely from the Formula One promoters, and uh, that that has been uh, echoed uh, by Red Bull team principal Christian Horner. And uh, he's uh, he's uh, called uh, Formula One out uh, to a certain extent and asked them to lay out their blueprint for the future of the sport after, uh, well, the criticism that uh, that that uh, was leveled by the race promoters uh, last week. And uh, Horner says uh, that he believes that uh, that too many individual parties have been trying to be uh, appeased or conceded to or made concessions for uh, since 2017 after you know Bernie was uh, ushered out, and uh, he he was uh, sort of echoing what I was just talking about just now. Or- more accurately, I'm echoing what uh, Christian Horner was saying. And of course, in, in the old days, uh, you, you would not see people uh, cr- contradicting or speaking out against Bernie Ecclestone because he would literally cut you out uh, right away. And uh, he he, th- he believes that uh, that Liberty are trying to operate in uh, in a far too democratic way, and uh, e- even though that the promoters are getting more from uh, from Formula One now than they ever got in the old days, uh, but uh, there, there would be. Uh, more freedom to to do things um then you know they're they're going to to expect more but um he does uh, sort of go on to uh re- or state that he believes that uh, that liberty is still trying to adapt to the culture of f1 and they've done good with the the, the things that they've done uh, previously and uh, certainly they, they they want to exploit formula 1 and and do it and bring it to uh, to audiences that uh, that maybe formula 1 has uh, not been uh, broadcast or exposed to or in markets where formula 1's been 
even underexposed. And uh, certainly the uh, the United States and, and and North America in general is um, is uh, is a prime example. China is another one. I mean, they were just saying a, a week ago, uh, or, or and certainly in the the, the past month, that uh, they would consider a, another uh, Grand Prix in China in addition to Shanghai, and also having a second Grand Prix in the United States makes uh, perfect sense. Um, obviously, Miami was uh, was a big talk that uh, that that was going to happen, and after the Azerbaijan. Grand Prix last year. There was all sorts of rumors that the pit facilities had been sold on. It was going to be going to Miami and it sounded like Miami was a sure thing until all of a sudden it wasn't. <laughs> and uh, certainly, but that that's more to do with issues that uh, they're, they're having at the local level rather than uh, perhaps um, say from the desire of Formula One or maybe a race promoter or maybe even the local government. It's just the, the fact is that it's uh, gone into the, into hiatus or it, it's just been put on ice uh, for, for the, for the time being. Um, but, but certainly they do have their, their, their vision for it. And well, I think that it, it's all has to, to connect together. I think it's a little bit, uh, frustration now from, from all parties, the, the, the promoters, the teams, I think from formula one, but the change in formula one, I think, uh, comes, uh, rather, rather slowly. And, uh, Horner uh, believes that, uh, that, uh, American sports work in America. And, uh, this past weekend was the Super Bowl, obviously huge in the United States, equally as big here in Canada, uh, even though we don't have a single NFL team in Canada, uh, it's still a, a massive thing. The NFL is huge up here. I, I know uh, so many people here, myself included, that are, are huge NFL fans. And uh, watching the Super Bowl is uh, is much watched TV, but it doesn't necessarily translate outside of North America all that well. Or maybe it does in certain places, but whatever it is, they're going to have to adapt a little bit to the culture of F1, and maybe it's going to take a lot longer for them to to really steer it in the 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 direction that they want. Passion, drive, and patience—the formula for winning championships—is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, well, uh, moving along, we're going to stick with uh, Liberty Media and uh, and Christian Horner. Uh, not just was he critical or a little bit uh, uh, expressing his desire for the, 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 the blueprints that he wants to see for, for Formula One in the future, but he was uh, also talking about, um, in an interview with Motorsport.com, that he believes that the 2019 rules are an expensive uh, mistake. And uh, certainly that was uh, echoed by one of the other um, uh, big guns, 
at uh, Red Bull Racing. That's Dr. Helmut Marco, who was uh, talking about a week or 10 uh, days ago and saying that uh, the team has invested something in the area of about uh, 15 million euros to um, to develop uh, the, uh, the, the the new front wings and the aero package uh, for, for this year. And that was also something that was uh, uh, echoed by uh, Racing Point and their technical director there, although his uh, name uh, escapes me at the moment. But although it's really been presented as... Um, well, maybe not such a uh, a simple fix, but they, they really put it out there that we're going to do this and it's going to improve the racing and it's going to make the sport uh, that much better. However, the, making these changes to the to the wings and the barge boards and uh, and everything else, it's uh, even though it's not a redesign of the entire car, in effect uh, that it is, because I think uh, what what Marco was saying that um, the, the the change and the lack of downforce it was uh, had slowed the car something by about three seconds a lap and all that that they've uh, recovered a lot of that uh, performance it's taken a lot of uh, of work and initiative and uh, design to overcome those problems so uh, certainly that uh, that that's surprising but i mean 15 million euros at red bull alone uh, just to uh, to overcome these uh, changes and and get the performance back out of the cars uh, is amazing so uh, whether or not that's going to lead to any uh, increased uh, overtaking or the the opportunity for cars to get closer to uh, one another and actually uh, and make those um, uh, overtaking maneuvers well, we we're still waiting to find out but uh, uh, certainly that, uh, that that is a a, a very interesting uh, comment but it's it's what I do like about it, I do like that uh, that uh, that Liberty and Formula One are trying to make changes. That they they recognize that there's a problem, and I was just uh, going back through a couple of old issues of uh, Formula One Racing Magazine uh, the, this evening. I think it might have been in the November or December issue. There was uh, a fellow that had written in uh, to the mailbag, and he was just uh, lamenting and expressing his frustration about uh, the, uh, the the really boring Russian Grand Prix and just um, how uh, Botas had the the, the win uh, yanked away from him when uh, when uh, Total Wolf had ordered him to pull over uh, to one side and let Lewis Hamilton uh, take the lead so he could uh, secure the win and then just uh, consolidate and strengthen his position in the in the world champion and he said uh, basically something to the effect after 40 years he's uh, basically counting himself as uh, one of these fans that's uh, walked away from the sport and is not going to come back anytime until it uh, Till it improves, and I think that's one of the area that Liberty's really looked at is to, to how imp- how to improve the racing. And uh, well, I've never really been a, a big fan of team orders, but that's a different discussion. But <laughs> like many of uh, like many of us, um, want to see more action on the track. I mean, as as great and as uh, as amazing it was for Daniel Ricciardo to win at Monaco last year, uh, considering that uh, that his car was uh, suffering uh, from mechanical issues all race long and was able to to still keep out in front of the the Mercedes and the uh, and and his teammate Max Verstappen and the Ferraris uh, just was, uh, well, I mean, it's difficult to pass there. And, and a lot of guys, uh, were, were really complaining about it after the race. Alonso was critical about it. Lewis was critical about it. They were fans everywhere critical about it. Just, just what a boring race, uh, that, that, that it was. And, uh, certainly Liberty has, has recognized that. And, uh, the, uh, the, the 2019 changes, uh, although, uh, on the surface looked like they're going to like rush through, uh, certainly, uh, could be, uh, a problem or or maybe it's not but who knows 
we, we have to reserve judgment uh, for for a couple of weeks, but it's interesting uh, too. Is uh, on one hand you have Christian Horner and uh, Dr. Helmut Marco being uh, critical about uh, these uh, changes and Racing Point as well. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Max Verstappen has been putting in some time in the simulator, and uh, he said that uh, at least in the simulator, the the, the Honda powered uh, Red Bull for this year feels positive. So <laughs> whatever that means, and and Max's precise quote is. I have only driven the new car in the simulator, which feels positive. So <laughs> that's, uh, well, that's positive, I suppose, but uh, certainly nothing really to, to, to hang your hat on for the, uh, the, the, the for this season. We can't really make anything but uh, or, or anything of that, but uh, we, we will know soon enough because in about a week and a half, the, the, the first um, test session gets underway at uh, Barcelona, so we'll be able to see what the lap times are like, and certainly we'll be getting to, to hear what the, what the drivers and uh, what, what the different pundits and analysts uh, are saying. So uh, the, the, the end of the guessing is uh, soon to be over and uh, we will know <laughs> in short order whether this gamble this rash move as it appears to be or could it be a master stroke and uh, anyways we will know soon enough so just uh, talking a little bit now uh, about uh, well the the competitors at um, at uh, uh, for Red Bull and of course uh, everyone else and that is that uh, Ferrari is planning on increasing their budget in uh, in 2019 and uh, this um, is a bit of a reversal because they were saying towards the end of last year that they were actually considering scaling back a little bit on their spending I think somewhere in the na- neighborhood of about 5 million euros uh, but it's been an, uh, an about term uh, by Ferrari chairman and CEO Louis Camilleri who told uh, the, the investors on a conference call last week that uh, that the performance uh, last year was one of the best that they've uh, had since they won the constructors championship in in 2008. They fell short of their ambition to raise the winners' cup, so uh, they're going to stick to the track, which is always to win. And uh, of course, uh, Ferrari's been a very successful team in in Formula One over the decades, uh, winning multiple drivers and constructors uh, world champions uh, championships. But it's uh, been a qu- uh, quite a long time because uh, they haven't won the constructors uh, since 2008, and then uh, the the last time they won a drivers' championship was in 2007 when when Kimi Raikkonen won his first and to date only a uh, driver's world championship. So certainly the, the last couple of years have been uh, much more promising and they have been to date the, the only team to really consistently threaten uh, Mercedes. And certainly uh, last year was a, uh, was a prime opportunity to, to, to do that, but we don't need to go down that rabbit hole <laughs> again. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. And certainly I hope that, uh, that this increase in the budget, although Camilleri didn't really go on to state exactly, Exactly how much uh, that that might be, but they're, they're certainly taking a different stance. Um, prior to his uh, untimely and unfortunate death last year, uh, the, the previous uh, CEO at uh, Ferrari, Sergio Marchionne, was was really fairly uh, play, playing hardball from time to time and threatening to pull Ferrari out of Formula One. Basically, said, you know, we don't really need to be there if it's not in Ferrari's uh, interest. But um, Camilleri is uh, is has done an about face to a certain uh, extent and has said that uh, while they're going to be. Uh, increasing the spending in their budget 
uh, for uh, their their ambition to win, but it also is um, partially to help uh, research and development to address the new regulations that will be part of the new Concord Agreement that will come in in 2021. So obviously they have an idea of where those uh, where those uh, uh, developments and those uh, regulations are going to go. So they're starting to uh, budget money for that. So uh, that that is interesting because uh, Ferrari. The, that's, I wouldn't say it's a standard move on their, out of their playbook, but certainly over the years, over the decades, uh, they have not been shy to, 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 to play that card and threaten to pull out a Formula One if it's uh, not, not in their benefit to, to, to be there. But certainly, uh, Camilleri's comments certainly uh, appear to be a, a bit of a softening in that stance, and, and and certainly very interesting to to hear one of the big teams at, at this point uh, publicly stating that they want to, uh, or they're they're starting to look towards that uh, 2021 uh, line in the sand when uh, things will 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 probably change, and uh, how much of a change is uh, is still the 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 open question, just uh, very much like we were discussing uh, before the first break there, and uh, that, and I think. I think that's why uh, Christian Horner obviously wants clarity from from Liberty and Formula One, as do the the, the rest of the team, so they can allocate those finances and, and those um, and those uh, resources in in R and D to start looking towards what what uh, that shape and and what that f- uh, future of uh, Formula One is uh, going to to look like. So, another news in in uh, in Formula One, or sticking with Ferrari, that is, and uh, former Formula One uh, driver Felipe Massa believes that uh, that the pressure on uh, Ferrari and their obligation to win is a problem uh, for his former team. And I, I thought this was a, a bit of a fascinating quote uh, by uh, Felipe Massa, who is now driving for Venturi and Formula E. And uh, he said that uh, things have been a difficult at uh, Ferrari since uh, Jean Tote uh, left uh, from uh, his role as team principal after 2007. And of course, this past uh, season, uh, or last couple of weeks, actually, there's been some, well, at least what uh, appears to be uh, on the uh, on the outside, a bit of turmoil with uh, Maurizio Riva Bene being uh, uh, mutually parted ways with uh, just after Christmas and uh, replaced by um, uh, Mattia Bonato, who was uh, was uh, the chief engineer. And uh, this is uh, the, the fourth team boss in charge in the 11 years since uh, Jean Tote left. So certainly longevity in that job certainly isn't uh, very long, but obviously the... All the I think that Arrive Bene had uh, probably paid for the uh, the, the shortcomings uh, and the, and the disappointment last year because they certainly really did have a legitimate shot and they had a good shot to to, to win one of the two championships uh, last year and there, there's no simple ex- explanation to why they didn't and uh, of course uh, that's <laughs> subjects that have been discussed on this program at length over the previous month so we don't really need to, to revisit that but certainly um, there is not just the expectation of the, the teams and the fans but certainly uh, Ferrari is Italy's team so you almost have uh, expectations of uh, an entire country on your shoulders and certainly Ferrari is one of the most popular racing teams in any formula of motor sport around the world and uh, the, the the prancing horse and the scarlet ferraris are, are well known and, uh, and and loved by fans everywhere so it the, the, there's a lot of pressure to win and uh that's just part of it <laughs> i mean you can look at any big um, sporting entity around the world be it uh, say uh, a liverpool or a manchester united in in, in soccer uh say the 
Well, let's just take the example of uh, last week in the Super Bowl, the the New England Patriots, now six Super Bowl uh, championships under their belts now. That's tied with the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is uh, amazing. After a while, you get these teams uh, or whatever it might be in whatever sport, they become so successful, it almost becomes uh, expected. So certainly I think that each and every year that passes in Formula One where Ferrari don't win a championship, I mean, uh, now it's well over a decade that, that that pressure is just going to grow and grow and grow and uh, well (laughs) people are going to crumble under that pressure or some people might thrive so uh, that's why Ferrari is always one of those teams that is so fascinating enjoyable to watch just not what's happening on the track but uh, but off the track just because there always uh, is a quite a bit of drama associated well with it whereas you you might not uh, have it uh, w- with other teams i mean i almost get like a completely different vibe when you compare ferrari to uh, mercedes for example where they've won the last five championships in a row for their drivers and also in the constructors and uh, it's almost expected that uh, that each and every year in formula one they go out that they're going to win, uh, be it uh, another championship for Lewis Hamilton, who's won, what, four out of the last five? And then, uh, of course, all those uh, Constructors' Championships, and they don't seem to be phased by it. They seem almost to really revel in it, and it uh, it's, it's completely... Like I say, a completely different feeling, a completely different vibe when you compare those uh, teams together. All right. Well, just uh, now as we move into some other news, one final piece of uh, Ferrari-related news, and that is uh, Brendan Hartley, who was the uh, driver at Toro Rosso for last year in a portion of uh, 2017, has now joined Ferrari as a simulator driver after he was uh, let go uh, by Toro Rosso at the end of uh, last season. And, uh, well, the 24-hour of Le Mans winner and world endurance champion uh, has uh, going to be part of uh, Ferrari's development team. So, uh, uh, previously, um, uh, uh, Danny Kvyat, his name will escape me for a moment. I should just call him the Torpedo. Most people know <laughs> who I'm referring to. Is uh, back in Formula One next year, and he was a uh, development uh, driver at Ferrari after he was out at, uh, at uh, Formula One uh, over this past season. So uh, definitely uh, seems like a, a good place uh, for him to land. Uh, obviously, I think most guys would like to to be racing, but certainly I think if uh, you're a guy like uh, Brendan Hartley, that uh, you know if you can form some some ties with uh, Ferrari, then that's uh, probably a good thing certainly uh, he's going to uh, a place with a lot of resources so i'm sure he'll uh, do all right there in the meantime and uh, now this is this still does not uh, really compute yet but (laughs) it's uh, still a little bit kind of uh, interesting uh, to 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 see and uh, that was uh, just seeing um, danny ricardo for the first time in uh, the the black and gold of um uh of uh, Renault this uh, this past uh, couple of days and of course uh, he's joining the team there for uh, his very first uh, season in uh, in uh, at his new team but I, I must admit after watching uh, Daniel Ricardo at uh, at Red Bull and Toro Rosso all these years seeing him in that uh, in that black and gold just uh, <laughs> it did not compute uh, for for a little while but uh, certainly when you see uh, these uh, these guys uh, getting uh, getting out there and when you see that that certainly you know is a for me one of those things that is uh, fairly exciting to see because then you know like i say that uh, the the season is literally right around the the the, the corner 
And there was another interesting uh, article that I came across over the past couple of days in which uh, Sarah Abitbul, the uh, the team principal at uh, Renault, said that uh, he believes that uh, Ricardo's arrival at the French team will uh, be a way to what he calls fast track its bid to challenge at the front of, uh, of Formula One. And certainly I think that they've done very well over the past couple of years, although I think that uh, they, they really took the, the, the team forward uh, when they, 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 they took over from Lotus, but that, uh, that, that rise that they had, uh, because I think they said at the time when they'd uh, committed to re-enter Formula One as a, a manufacturer, that they would um, they they were targeting. I think it was about a five-year window before they felt that they would be in contention again to be um, a competitive team. And I think that that uh, that that curve that they was on has kind of flattened out. And it uh, over the past season, maybe season and a half, but uh, Abid Bull have been saying over the kind of past uh, couple of weeks that uh, they really feel that the changes that they've made away from the track in the factory and the design and uh, the people that they have working uh, for the team are really doing some positive things and uh, he believes that as time goes forward that a lot of the changes that they've made over the past uh, 18 months are really going to start manifesting themselves in the in, in the not too uh, distant future and of course it's a, a complete package uh, not only do you need to have a good car you need to have a good engine you need to have a, a good driver and certainly uh, Renault have proved in the past as a as a manufacturer of uh, not only just uh, cars and chassis but also uh, engines that uh, that they know how to how to do it so it's uh, just a question of, uh, of obviously doing it right but certainly the, the the third ingredient in that is that you can have a good chassis you can have a good engine uh, that you you need somebody good to to to, to drive it and um, there was a we were talking I think it was about two weeks ago just uh, about uh, Nico Hulkenberg and Carlos Sainz's former team who's now at McLaren, saying that he believes that if uh, Hulkenberg was at a top team, he'd be winning races and uh, be up on the podium uh, all the time because, you know, the Hulk is now, I think, uh, over 150 races into his Formula One career. And, uh, you know, he's been for different teams uh, before Renault, of course, and still is uh, even to get onto a a podium. So uh, certainly uh, (laughs) he's eager to to, to prove himself, but maybe uh, Ricardo, maybe he's just that one guy, maybe he's that one ingredient that the the, the team really needs to, to to push themselves forward because at time last year like I was really expecting a lot more more from uh, from them I thought well this is it they're gonna push forward but then last year they just um, even though Hulkenberg ended up kind of the the, the best of the rest the the seventh uh, best driver in uh, in Formula One in the uh, in, in the championship outside of the Red Bull Ferrari and Mercedes drivers it uh, I was kind of expecting a little bit more. So certainly if they can uh, get that back on track and, and, and really become uh, what they want and what everybody else is hoping they'll be uh, a more competitive and exciting uh, team. But uh, Hulkenberg uh, at least is uh, saying that, uh, you know, he's uh, looking forward to uh, having the challenge of um, having uh, a teammate like a uh, Daniel Ricardo, uh, you know, racing alongside of him uh, this year. He said he's uh, quote, uh, not going to be resting on any laurels and uh, he really sees the uh, the the opportunity to race against uh, Danny Rick as an opportunity uh, to prove himself and well just looking at my notes here I had written down that uh, Hulkenberg holds the rec- records for their current record for most races without a podium finish uh, but uh, <laughs> you know he, he has stuck around and uh, whereas some of the other guys like Sainz and uh, Julian Palmer have uh, not stuck around at uh, Renault and uh, honestly uh, you know no no uh, 
disrespect to, to, to those guys. I mean, science obviously is now at uh, McLaren, but, uh, Palmer of course struggled in his time in, in formula one and, uh, Hulkenberg, good driver. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to take anything away from him, but, uh, Ricardo has uh, done uh, pretty good, obviously at Red Bull over the past several years, winning quite a few uh, races and uh, has been, uh, become a regular and a bit of a cult figure with his, uh, rather bizarre shoey celebration, but Hey, people love him for it. And, uh, so that, that, that's what I think. I mean, uh, certainly, uh, when I think to the, the announcement that, uh, he'd uh, decided to go and sign for Renault rather than sign an extension uh, for Red Bull to be nothing, uh, less than a, a bit of a shock, honestly, uh, because, uh, last summer there was a lot of talk that the, uh, there, there was a new deal basically all in place to keep him at, uh, at Red Bull and, uh, and to sign an extension there to keep racing alongside Max. But obviously, uh, he saw a lot more benefits going to a team where everything's going to, at least, uh, you would think that he's going to be the, 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 the top guy there. So it's going to be uh, pretty cool to watch, uh, I think, uh, how he's going to line up against, uh, Hulkenberg and, uh, just see how evenly matched or unevenly matched, uh, the, these two guys are, uh, you know, honestly, I, I really find it kind of cool to watch, um, the, the, the different, uh, matchups, uh, between, uh, different drivers and just, uh, just see how they, they, they compete against, uh, each other and just, uh, the, the differences or the, the similarities that, uh, they, 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 they have. And, uh, Ferrari, of course, with, uh, Vettel and Raikkonen over the past couple of years has been an interesting one. And I still think that, uh, that uh, Leclerc going there is really going to prove to be an interesting test and a big test uh, for Sebastian Vettel because I still maintain that I think that just naturally that uh, Seb is just a little bit quicker than Kimi was and uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Leclerc is going to be able to to push him a little bit harder as is it going to be fun to watch uh, 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 Valtteri Bottas I'm (laughs) trying blanks on names this evening it's horrible just as it's going to be fun to watch uh, Valtteri Bottas and uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, of course of course, uh, 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 Total Wolf, the team principal at Mercedes, was uh, saying that uh, that uh, Bottas really has to raise what he's doing and uh, and really perform on a, a level similar to, to Lewis Hamilton if he's going to stay around for, for next year and uh, beyond. But uh, certainly, Renault, in, in the meantime, is going to be a, lo- a lot of fun to watch. Uh, certainly, they've... Uh, well, it, it's a long time ago now when you go back to the double world championship of... Uh, uh, Fernando Alonso in the Renault in 2005 and 2006. And certainly they had n- not only were they successful uh, at that time as a manufacturer when they uh, took over uh, and bought out Benetton, but even in the nineties, uh, when you look at uh, some of the cars that had Renault engines in them, the Williams, which uh, seems like a very distant thing, of course, when the Renault Williams was a thing and uh, they were just uh, completely dominant for a large portion of the, 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 the 1990s. So uh, it, it'll be fun to watch uh, to see what uh, Ricardo and Hulkenberg can do. And I'd love to see another team there in the mix. As, as much as I want to see Ferrari uh, really push and and challenge uh, Mercedes on a, on a more consistent basis and really maybe push it down to the wire, I'd love to see a lot more parity in Formula One and see a lot more competitiveness uh, between the teams that are there. And don't get me wrong, I think it's great that uh, that Red Bull have uh, done what they've done over the past couple of years. They've kind of been the the, the big spoilers for, uh, every once in a while and, and really won some race that they they shouldn't have uh, of course uh, last year in mexico at uh, at the, the mexican grand prix at uh, autodromo Hermanos rodriguez uh, they uh, had a really really good uh, weekend 
And uh, Verstappen looked dominant uh, somewhere. Renault found all that extra uh, power and they were able to really get uh, get ahead of everybody else uh, despite uh, being in the thinner air at Mexico City. It was, it was fun to watch, but it seemed that, that when Renault, sorry, when, uh, when Red Bull would be competitive. It was uh, almost seemed to be, well, it wasn't very, really on a very expected uh, uh, occurrences and it seemed to be a little bit uh, too infrequent. So if we could see them be more competitive and push the big two, uh, the, the Ferraris and the Mercedes of the world, and even get another team in there uh, like Renault, that would be, I think, a really, really uh, cool and fun thing uh, to see in, in Formula One. But of course, if history or, or at least recent history is anything to suggest that uh, might be a little bit of wishful thinking on, uh, on my behalf. So certainly um, it could happen, but who knows? <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Liberty sees me. It stands by me and celebrates me for who I am. When I come into the office, I feel that I belong here. I don't have to be corporate America Gabby. I can just bring Gabby to work. Reach your potential and find a job you love at Liberty Mutual. We offer development training, rich benefits, and a culture that lets you bring your whole self to work so you can pursue your tomorrow today. Ready to consider a career at Liberty Mutual? Find out how at LibertyMutualCareers.com. All right. Well, we're just going to start uh, slowly closing it down here. And uh, before, I, I want to talk a little bit now about, um, well, we're going to talk about Sauber and, uh, well, with the team that used to be Sauber. And of course, the big news at the end of last week is that uh, Sauber F1 is uh, no more. They are now Alfa Romeo uh, Racing. And uh, this was, uh, well, it's not really a, a big surprise, but it is, at least from from my point of view. I mean, Alfa Romeo was their, their title sponsor last Last year, but they've uh, decided to um, become more than just the, the, the title sponsor, and uh, they're going to be uh, well. Basically, behind the scenes, it's all going to be the same. The management is going to be uh, unchanged, and uh, Longbow Finance, which is the the Swiss based investment firm, will still be the the, the sole owner of the team. But still, it uh, they, they signed a technical and commercial sponsorship uh, with Sauber before the 2018 season, and uh, the team was well. It was basically. <laughs> it, halfway there because uh, this time last year was Alfa Romeo Sauber F1. So for this year, the name is just going to be simplified to Alfa Romeo Racing. So they're dropping uh, Sauber uh, out of it, uh, obviously. And uh, Sauber's been around in Formula One for for quite some time. So who knows? Uh, it's kind of funny how sports uh, work. You know, right now, everybody's kind of excited that uh, that Alfa's back as a, as a manufacturer in Formula One. Uh, but who knows? Maybe one of these days we'll see a, a retro move and, and Alfa will revert to becoming Sauber uh, Racing or Sauber F1 or whatever they call it but it's uh, it's pretty cool they 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 first uh, raced officially in uh, in 1911 a year after they were founded and enjoyed uh, success in Grand Prix racing in the 1930s and in the early years of Formula One in the 1950s and uh, competed in the, the sport as a constructor engine supplier from 1950 to 1987 uh, before they decided to take a 30-year break. So uh, the last year with the introduction of the up to 
up-to-date uh, current spec for our engine and uh, a much more competitive uh, aero package saw Sauber move substantially uh, up the grid. So they were no longer mired at the back where they'd been for the past uh, several years and uh, they really were a surprise and, uh, and I love the, um, the the talk that's uh, been coming out of the team and perhaps uh, now it makes a little bit more sense when you know you have uh, the, the complete backing of, uh, of, uh, of Alfa Romeo and uh, you know they're going at it 100% rather than just to say from a, a sponsorship uh, side of it that uh, that they were basically saying that they're not really comparing themselves to other teams that are in the middle of the pack but they're really uh, comparing themselves to the top uh, teams and that's uh, where they where they want to be so it's it's going to be fun to to watch them this year because they've got uh, Antonio Giovinazzi the, uh, the the youngster that uh, you know was uh, at Ferrari and then uh, the another former Ferrari driver and that's uh, everybody's favorite Finn you know Kimi Raikkonen and a, a world champion in his own right and uh, obviously, I think uh, Kimi signing a two-year deal to go to uh, Alfa Romeo is—it uh, says a lot. Uh, he must have known uh, a little bit more detail than uh, obviously we, the public, uh, knew at the time. That was uh, really uh, convinced him uh, to, to go there because I can't imagine that uh, it just wouldn't have been. Hey, you know, I started out my Formula One career with Sauber, and you know, it would be a great way to to, to end my career because uh, he'll be 41 when this uh, current deal runs out runs out the end of 2020. So I, I'm sure that it was more than just a, a little bit of sentimental feeling because, uh, well, honestly, even though I, I don't know Kimi Raikkonen personally, he doesn't really publicly strike me as somebody that seems overly uh, sentimental. So uh, that's obviously uh, very cool to see the Alfa Romeo name back in Formula One and is certainly going to be uh, interesting to watch and see what that team is going to do uh, and, and build from from this year and see what uh, they're, they're going to continue to, to break uh, progress uh, upwards and where the uh, the upper limit of their potential uh, actually is so uh, it's really given a boost uh, of motivation to the team uh, be it you know either on the track or back at the uh, at, at the headquarters in the design office or in the factory and uh, uh, well basically the you know uh, Frederick Vasser was uh, he's the, the the team principal was uh, really put uh, the what's happened with their new partnership and becoming Alfa Romeo uh, racing as uh, a result of all the the hard work and uh, everything that they've uh, invested uh, to get the results that they they achieved uh, last year. So it's it's a surprise, but it's it's very, very cool to see. And uh, it's... It's amazing to see how literally they they turned it around. Uh, I wouldn't say quite overnight, but uh, certainly a very short amount of time because it's only uh, not even two years ago when they were running a a year-old Ferrari spec engine that wasn't even designed to be put in the back of uh, the the, the cars because 2016 and 27 were vastly different in terms of the way that uh, Formula One cars were built and designed, just the way that the, uh, the, the regulations changed. And uh, when you look at them uh, back then, when they had the the blue, white, and uh, and gold livery on the car, uh, they they certainly were just basically making up the numbers, and they they really turned it around uh, quickly. So again, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to see how how fast they actually did it. And uh, you have to think that if uh, you're a team like Williams or McLaren and you're looking to see what uh, what Alfa Romeo or Sauber have done over the past year and a half, it uh, it must give them a uh, a bit of motivation to think, hey, this is a team that has a lot less re- uh, resources than we have, and uh, you know we we have decades of Formula One experience and the know how, then we should be able to to, to turn around. <laughs> 
But hey, that, that's a different discussion for for another day. And of course, uh, I just started talking about uh, these uh, driver competitions uh, between e- each other. Then uh, I think another fun one to, to watch this year will be Antonio Giovinazzi and uh, Kimi Raikkonen. You know, is is the wily old vet uh, going to come out on top, or is it going to be the, the 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 youngster, the the young upstart, you know, the the, the rookie to Formula One that's going to prove to be the, the the quicker and the more competitive of uh, the the two drivers? Obviously, there is a bit of a link. Uh, in several ways between uh, Alfa Romeo and uh, Ferrari. So it's, uh, it's going to be fun to, to watch a lot of these uh, different teams uh, this year. But uh, certainly, I think there's a lot of comparisons with uh, Giovinazzi and Raikkonen and Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel, although Vettel's obviously uh, a number of years uh, younger than Kimi Raikkonen. But certainly, it's going to be fun watching two young and up-and-coming drivers in both of those uh, respective teams going against uh, their, their teammates, more experienced, and of course, Raikkonen and Sebastian Vettel have uh, five world championships between them. Obviously, uh, Seb has four, Kimi has one. So that's going to be a a lot of fun to watch uh, to see uh, where that goes. All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up. It's uh, getting late here. Like I say, uh, this is my second go round at recording the show for this week. So I'm finally, I'm just going to kind of bring it full circle and uh, just kind of bring it back to kind of where we started uh, at the the, the beginning of the show. And uh, we were talking about uh, Chase Carey responding to the criticism of the Formula One's Promoters Association. And well, Chase and uh, and Formula One can put another feather in their cap because uh, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix has now re-upped for another five years. So we will be uh, seeing Formula One racing around the, uh, the the streets of Baku, Azerbaijan until 2023. And uh, it was interesting. I think they did trigger some sort of escape clause uh, after 2020. Anyways, I think they've uh, basically uh, renegotiated uh, everything. So we're going to be uh, seeing that race on the calendar for a number of years to come. And, you know, honestly... I'm not a big fan of street circuits. I, I love purpose-built Formula One racetracks. Doesn't have to be uh, just a Formula One, of course, but I, I like to see a proper racetrack and I like to see the the, the, the cars racing around there. But having said that, uh, when, when you do have a temporary track or you have like a street circuit like Baku, honestly, I don't hate it. <laughs> Maybe that doesn't sound like a lot of praise, but uh, certainly it, it does have some interesting characteristics uh, to it when you get that really tight, narrow section just uh, around through the old part of the city by the by the castle and uh, where, where you have the, uh, I can't remember the exact gap between I think it was one building and the base of the uh, the, the fortifications of the, uh, the, the castle. It's not very wide. I think maybe it was maybe 20 or 25 feet in width. So literally the, the eye of a needle for a Formula One car Maybe it's a little bit wider than that, but uh, certainly very cool to to see the cars go through there, especially at speed and that very very long street section, a bit of a dog leg to the right uh, by the by the front of the pits, is is really cool to see the uh, the, the the cars really wind up and, and and really build up ahead of steam going into that first corner, and of course uh, we've seen some uh, some moments at that uh, turn one, and uh, it's uh, provided for some uh, some interesting uh, <laughs> interesting uh, memories over the past couple of years, especially last year we saw uh, Vettel try and pull a move there didn't quite make it stick and uh, we, we saw Botas the year before I think at the first running uh, after ending up at the the, the the back of the order after getting into a bit of a tangle early in the race was able to to nick second place off of uh, Lance Stroll coming down that straightaway so there's been some uh, some fun and interesting moments there and uh, of course I, I think no one who will saw, who watched the 2017 version of the uh, Azerbaijan Grand Prix will forget Sebastian Vettel 
Gettel and uh, Lewis Hamilton crashing into each other, or should I say Sebastian turning into Lewis under the, uh, the, the safety car and uh, all the, the, the fallout from that. But uh, so we'll see that race on for a number of years. And also just we're maybe talking really briefly before we, we wrap it up now, uh, just uh, the, another track that um, I'm watching with a bit of a keen interest will be the, uh, the Viet- uh, Vietnamese Grand Prix again. This is sort of a purpose-built temporary street circuit, if you want to call it that. Uh, like I say, I, I'm a little bit suspicious to, to see how the, the, the racing turns out, although I think the layout of the, 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 the track there in Vietnam looks very, very interesting and uh, potentially it could be a, a good circuit and fun circuit to race on. But we'll wait and see. Uh, I've never been, like I say, I've never been a fan of the, uh, the, the, the temporary street circuits, but there are some that, uh, the, that I do enjoy. And, uh, well, Baku, I'd have to say is somewhere kind of in the middle. Monaco's Monaco. I, I think that, uh, I enjoy Monaco, just the fact that it is Monaco rather than the circuit itself. Uh, I, I think just because of the history that, uh, that the circuit has and the place that it has in, uh, in Formula One. So they're, they're not going to go away anytime soon. However, I am going to go away very soon. And right now, in fact, and uh, I'm going to wrap it up right there. Thank you so very much for listening and downloading the show this week. If you want to get in touch with me and by all means, this is just me uh, doing the show here. I, uh, the, of course, these are my opinions, my takes on things. Sometimes you might think I'm on point. Sometimes you might think I've missed well the, the, the mark by quite a bit. Who knows? They're my opinions. You've got your own. They're all good. If you have any, uh, if you want to weigh on any d- discussion or any thoughts that I have, I've had send me a tweet uh, on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod. Send me an email at scuderiapod at gmail.com. And, you know, let, let's chat. Let, let's, uh, let's discuss things. And uh, until next time, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.